0: The SEC is working towards a nine game schedule for the conference in the future. How would it work? How do we feel about it? Coming up next on locked on Sooners.
1: You are locked on Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the locked on podcast network, your
0: team every day. what's up sooner nation welcome to locked on sooners and thank you for making locked on sooners your first listen every single day today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. make every moment more right now new customers join today and you'll get 150 dollars in bonus bets if your first bet of five dollars or more wins visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started my name is john williams you can follow me on twitter at john nine williams my buddy here is josh helmer you can follow him on twitter at josh on the show is at locked on sooners and uh one Chris Del Conte of Texas athletic director fame spoke at a kind of a state of the longhorns address, uh, in Austin. And according to CDC, as he's affectionately referred to down there in Austin, the, the sec is looking towards or working towards a nine game conference schedule at some point down the road. Now he, he, alluded to the idea that, okay, in 2024, we're locked into eight games, 2025, eight games. So probably in 2026 would be the earliest that this would come about, uh, if it does indeed come about. So how, how are we feeling about that, Josh? It seemed like that was what kind of the consensus was, even though there were some detractors like Nick Saban who preferred an eight game schedule and maybe some of the other kind of middling teams there in the sec that preferred having that extra non-conference game. So, so how do you feel about it, Josh? I know we've discussed this at, at different points in time. Has your opinion on the eight versus nine changed over time?
1: No, I still love it. I, to me, it still makes the most sense. It, uh, will make ESPN happy, which again, though, you don't just hand over leverage without getting a little extra piece of the pie. So I would imagine if uh, there's truth to this from Chris Del Conte, that uh, probably this will result in a little bit extra money for everybody involved, that they'll renegotiate the deal a little bit because you don't just go play an extra football game to get paid the same amount. Uh, I can't imagine you would do that. That's uh, bad business. but from a scheduling standpoint it uh, has always made more sense to do this because obviously then you get into the 366 model which uh where you're at currently in the SEC with 16 teams aboard once OU and Texas are officially in this thing well uh, the the 366 lets you comfortably play all of the other 15 schools every other season now you've got uh with the one seven, one permanent opponent, seven uh rotating conference opponents. You've got that right now, but the ability to play three of the same opponents, or th- there's different ways to work this, but the easiest way to kind of wrap your mind around it is three permanent opponents, six rotating opponents in the three, six, six model where you rotate the six every other year, you flip-flop them. That allows you to build legitimate uh, rivalries with more than just a Texas. You keep the Texas game, and then if you have A&M, okay, well, now that's back to an annual date. If it's Missouri who you have a history with, okay, uh, that's back to an annual date as a permanent opponent. Uh, If you want to tell me Arkansas, if you want to tell me LSU, A&M, Uh, LSU is a number of different options Florida we bandied about uh, in the past as a, a possibility that it could be beneficial from recruiting so it just I think opens up the door to rivalries feeling a little bit more like that if you play the game every single year so I'm excited about it I think it solves a lot of problems for fan bases that don't want to see certain games get played on a biannual basis and want to see them get played every single season so i hope it happens sooner rather than later
0: it is the the schedule format that makes the most sense given kind of the rich history that the sec has apart from oklahoma and texas I mean, we talked with locked on SEC folks kind of when this all first came about and I was asking them like, okay, who are the, the permanent opponents that you want to have? And there was a litany of games that have been annual games for a very, very long time that you just can't necessarily give up willy nilly, uh, whether it's, you know, Alabama, Auburn in the Iron Bowl or Alabama, Tennessee, that third Saturday in October. Uh, apparently Georgia Auburn. I I didn't realize this till a couple years ago that Georgia Auburn had been playing for like forever. And, and that's a game that kind of has to stay on the schedule. So it, it is a little, maybe a little bit easier to, to come to a schedule that works for everybody and keeps those annual matchups in play. Like, you know, the, the swamp, you know, the swamp game with LSU and Florida, you know, not, Divisional—they're not in the same division in the former SEC—but that's a game that that matters a little bit. And so, how do you do that? Well, the three-six-six model allows you to have a little bit more flexibility in, in creating those annual matchups, and it, it does have a lot more symmetry to it. In that, okay, I say we don't get Georgia in 2026. Well, we'll get them in 2028 and 2029. You know, you're not going to go like Texas A&M. Has gone 10 years without hosting the Bulldogs, you know? And so th- this does help create more marquee matchups on a regular basis where you're not missing the boat be- just because, okay, Georgia's schedule is pretty full and you're not going to be able to make that happen. Well, no, this is going to guarantee that everybody gets a chance to host Alabama. Everybody gets a chance to host Georgia. Everybody gets a chance to host Oklahoma and Texas. And, and so I think that does benefit the sec long-term to your point about the the revenue the financial stream that will have to be increased by espn in order to get that ninth i say nine but nine times you know 16 that comes out to what 144 something games or i guess it's one extra game times 16 16 more games i'm not mathing great 16 more games on the sec schedule that sec that espn will have to pay up for we just saw what ESPN was willing to do to renegotiate the college football playoff payout. I mean, that's big money. So I imagine that Greg Sankey and his administration will be going back to ESPN long before they come to a consensus about a nine game schedule and say, all right, what's the money going to be? Because we're not going to add extra games unless that money is going to be right. And, and I think that will be a big factor in this. Uh, if ESPN says now we're not willing to pay for more products, then the sec will be more than happy just to play you know grambling uh as a fourth non-conference game or main for oklahoma and you know not let espn garner that that big time revenue that could happen with these marquee matchups on a weekly basis
1: yeah credit to uh, inside texas i think the moment where chris del conte sort of said hey this uh this is headed toward a nine game schedule, possibly as soon as 2026 was actually after sort of the town hall style meeting, because he had said at the town hall style meeting, if we're going to refer to it as that, uh, you know, boosters, et cetera, et cetera. He had said in front of that audience that Texas and Texas A&M, he expects to be an annual every season game right? And so that led to some uh, some obvious questions because, well, wait a second. OU Texas is the permanent game for both going into this thing the way that this is currently constructed. And as this is currently constructed, there's no room for two permanent games. So the follow-up, uh, credit to Inside Texas for digging a little deeper on this. It does still beg, I think, some interesting questions though in the meantime, John. If we're led to believe that this will not come into effect a nine-game SEC schedule. We know it's not happening in 24, okay? The the schedule set, we know it's an eight-game schedule in 24. Sounds like, according to Chris Del Conte, it's an eight-game schedule in 2025. We're thinking, okay, maybe in 2026, but you know, as I know, as everybody listening and watching knows, these things have a way of not always happening in a timely, expedient manner. We'll see about the college football playoff. There's a lot of things that we think are going to happen, but until it's crystal clear that they're going to happen, it's not. we're not existing in the realm of it's factually happening yet. So if Texas and Texas A&M are indeed going to play every single season and that part has been decided, does that mean, okay, OU Texas exists in a form where it could be a non-conference game for both? What about Texas, Texas A&M? Could that be? a non-conference game in an eight-game schedule if we keep going that route and that game actually does, in fact, happen every single season as an annual date? Or is Texas the exception to the rule, John, where they have two permanent opponents and everybody else just has the one? So these are interesting remarks from Chris Del Conte where we don't really have all the answers on how maybe some of this is going to look. We do know, I think, this, though. There's no need to panic as an OU fan. The OU Texas game, it's not going anywhere, I don't think, John. You're not investing $140 million in renovations into the Cotton Bowl for Chris Del Conte in Texas and the uh, administration in representation of A&M to say, yeah, actually this is the permanent game, so long OU Texas. There's too many power brokers, too much money involved. There's been too much of an investment involved. But it does, again, I think raise some interesting questions.
0: Let's discuss some of those questions here coming up next on Locked On Sooners.
1: Oh, baby. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's, again, $150 if your bet of $5 or more wins. Bet on all of your favorite NBA players and teams with their quick bat quick bats they're live same game parlays exclusive props and so much more visit fanduel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot fanduel
0: an official sportsbook partner of the nba it makes sense that texas texas a&m would play on a regular basis obviously you're not giving up OU texas that's not going to go away the sec would lose too much money by having that become a semi annual. a fair no that's going to be played every year so i think probably what we're looking at josh is this idea of a one permanent rival is probably a very fluid notion in that okay yeah oklahoma may have texas as its one quote-unquote permanent rival but maybe there's going to be a missouri that you're going to see every year no matter what uh for a team like alabama you know okay it's auburn but again Like I mentioned, that Tennessee game is pretty big. That's a pretty big game on the SEC schedule Uh, for Auburn. That game against Georgia is a pretty big game on the SEC schedule. So just because there's the one permanent rival, well, I think the SEC is going to also be wise in this and say, hey, listen, you might have your one permanent rival, but also here's your second or third or, you know, however many, because these games mean too much to the fan bases means too much to our pocketbooks to not play on a regular basis. So I I don't know if they'd go to the non-conference route. I I feel like that just kind of creates some odd vibes. Like who is it that's playing a non-conference game in the big 12? Is it Utah and Baylor next year? That's going to be playing a non-conference game, even though they're both in the big 12 conference. I know we saw that in softball last year with Baylor and Oklahoma, but that's just a little bit different because it's tournament play. This would feel really, really weird to play OU Texas as a non-conference game. I think it would take a little bit of the, the luster out of it. And same with Texas Texas, a- Texas A&M. I still think that Greg Sankey and the SEC will figure out a way to make them all be on the schedule. And I do think that this 1-7 model is a short-term view that we're, that we're looking at right now. It's, it's kind of biding time until they figure out all the details about who the three permanent opponents are going to be when they do finalize that nine-game SEC rotation.
1: I hope you're right that uh, the powers that be, uh, Greg Sankey and anyone involved with the SEC offices and the scheduling department, if there's a scheduling department, that they've thought this thing through and are sort of willing to budge a little bit on the idea of the one seven model for a couple of seasons. And it's, it's great to, in theory, play everybody rotating every other season. I think that's an important component to a conference feeling truly like a conference, right. To having lasting, meaningful relationships with every school in the conference, you have to play and compete against each other on a very regular basis And if not on an annual basis, then on an every other year basis. But that being said, if we're in this like little weird in between before we get to what they think will eventually be a non-game conference, a nine-game conference schedule, then by all means, protect the games that mean the most to each respective fan base. Oklahoma, we're in sort of a good position here to where, look, uh, you and I have discussed this on a number of occasions, just... The two of us, and I think a number of OU fans too, but not every single OU fan, we'd be thrilled to see OU Arkansas as an annual game. But you know what? Mm. It's not make or break going into these next couple of years for OU. That's just the OU Texas game, right? Missouri. Okay, it makes sense for a lot of reasons for that to become an annual date for Oklahoma. It it has a lot of history those two schools together in that game, though it's not going to drum up for Oklahoma fans the feelings of a Nebraska or insert other historic uh, conference opponent. It, it does have some history involved in it. It's not a rivalry, but you know, with the uh, especially what's happened on the recruiting trail, there's at least some legitimate distaste from Oklahoma fans toward Missouri right here, right now. So. I guess what I'm saying is OU's on the fortunate end of this to where really you just want the OU-Texas game for a couple more years, and then let's see if you get to a 3-6-6 at some point what those other couple of permanent games might look like. For everybody else, though, for the Alabamas of the world and the Tennessees and the Georgias and the Floridas, protect those games that mean the most to those programs for the next couple of years. And if you don't see everybody – in a two year span, then so be it. That's the nature of this thing not being where probably most logically it should have been as soon as OU and Texas got in, which again was the and is the 366 model.
0: And there's no telling if there's any more realignment that occurs that throws this all up in the air again. You know, with the ACC's TV rights deal, I mean, Florida State's been trying to basically go through litigation to get out of their grant of rights deal. Like that's the thing that's happening. And if they're able to, you know, there'll be a North Carolina or a Miami that'll follow suit right behind, which could create more expansion for the SEC, given the region that they're in or a Clemson. Uh, and so, you know, the, what we're talking about now could all be just like thrown out the window if more expansion comes down the road. But I'm with you, Josh, I think for Oklahoma, it's it's texas that's the game that matters the most more than anything else and if you don't have that game it's it's disappointing to say the least but anything else there's a lot of flexibility as far as oklahoma is concerned you know texas doesn't you know that texas has oklahoma and texas a&m beyond that they'd probably like to see arkansas just getting back to the southwest conference days but that's probably not going to be a make or break for them either uh and then yeah beyond that i think like you know missouri doesn't really have any maker breaks uh, you know everybody else is kind of just like hey we've, we've got our history we've got our tradition so we kind of have a lot more to say about the way this thing plays out and and i think they'll come to an, a, an agreement an arrangement that fits for everybody uh, but you know they're going to be teams that aren't 100 percent or fan bases at least that aren't 100 percent happy with the way it all lines out but that's just kind of the nature of the beast as it moves forward i mean oklahoma fans aren't necessarily thrilled with the schedule they've got uh, for 2024 but this is what you signed up for when you decided to go to the sec these marquee matchups against you know old miss and oxford and lsu and baton rouge and hosting alabama you know reigniting a little bit of a bedlam style rivalry with missouri again we call oklahoma state not a rivalry well Missouri is kind of not a rivalry as well. They're going to be baby bedlam for us moving forward. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'll am i be cool with however it plays out. I think it'd be kind of fun if it ends up being, you know, Texas, Missouri, and a Florida or a South Carolina, just some team that's out on that East Coast that makes the the travel just a little bit different uh, for OU fans down the stretch. We got the 2024 way early sports pre-spring sb plus ratings uh from espn and bill connelly what does it say about oklahoma moving forward let's discuss that next coming up here on locked on sooners game time is fast and it's the easiest way to buy tickets for all sports music comedy and theater events near you if you're looking to go to a show go to game time download the app in your uh app store whether it's the apple play or the apple store or the google play store or you can go to gametime.co in your chrome or safari browser however you want to find them they've got the best last minute tickets available for you with killer last minute deals all in prices views from your seat and their best price guarantee game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets See the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. The all in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. And you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps on your phone. Game Time has the deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last minute seats. So go to Game Time, download the app today for last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Go use promo code locked on to get $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Again, download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed over at game time, Josh, the Oklahoma Sooners come in about where they're ranked in a lot of the way too early power rankings for 2024 in the ESPN SB plus ratings for 2024 at number 14 overall. Now, Relative to the SEC, that comes in at number eight overall. However, they sit pretty good offensively, defensively, but that special teams rating is kind of bringing them down.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. It uh, you look at the SP Plus rankings for Oklahoma, and the Sooners are rated 14th offensively, which is you know not bad given uh, the fact that you're breaking in uh, a, a new starting quarterback, albeit a five-star that we're all excited about in Jackson-Arnold. You're essentially replacing all five starters along your offensive line, though. Jacob Sexton, uh, if you want to refer to Jacob Sexton as a returning starter, well, there you go, right? But still 14th in the offensive SP+, plus, 19th defensively in the SP+, plus, which uh, I would say probably Bill Connolly's formula here, really likes the fact that Danny Stutzman and Billy Bowman and Woody Washington and others are returning. The returning production for OU has to factor in there, but the special teams, man, is dragging Oklahoma down in this thing in a big, big way, 95th nationally, according to Bill Connolly's uh, special teams SP+. And for those of you that are like, wait a second, what the heck is SP+, Probably we've talked about this before. If you're a longtime viewer or listener, you're familiar, but if you're not, we'll run down it for you real quick. These rankings are used to basically, it's a analytical set of data that ranks teams. Yes, but also does not rank teams in a way, right? It's supposed to be a predictive model uh, on a team's success rate, right? So Oklahoma I guess you would say is ranked 14th, uh, most likely to be successful in 2024. Basically uh, what you take out of it is top 20 offense, top 20 defense, according to the statistical numbers that Bill Connolly's uh, camp is running. The special teams, not very good. And all of this weighted according to returning production, recent recruiting numbers, and then uh, recent results, what recent history has told us. So, It's a a tempo and opponent-adjusted measure to determine expected efficiency for a football team. So basically, they're saying offense, defense, we think is going to be good.
0: Special teams, eh, not so certain about that. Yeah, and I think the offense, everybody expects to be pretty good. Even though Oklahoma is kind of middle of the pack in the FBS in returning production on the offensive side of the ball because you lost your offensive line, you lost Dylan Gabriel, you lost Drake Stoops, that, that means that okay, the expectation is they're still going to be pretty good because you do bring back a Gavin Sachuk, you do bring back a, a Nick Anderson who had a great year, Jaden Gibson who had a really, really good year in kind of that fourth wide receiver role. Uh, you bring in a, a five star fresh or five star quarterback in Jackson Arnold, he's going to be a sophomore. You bring in an, a group of offensive line transfers that okay, now Bill Connolly's starting to kind of factor in okay, how does transfer? portal additions, how do they factor into these ratings? Well, I think that, that shows, okay, the additions of, uh, you know, hatchet and wewoo and Tarkin and Brown are going to be big factors for Oklahoma's offensive line. And, and this is kind of the prediction. That's the expectation is that they will. And then defensively, obviously getting Stutzman and Bowman back, Woody Washington back Dejon Terry and Jacob Lacey. That's a lot of snaps coming back for you. A lot of production that's coming back and beyond them you were a fairly young defense last year. You didn't lose a ton off of your defense. So you should have an expectation that they're going to be kind of one of the more efficient defenses in the country in 2024, based on everything that's coming back for them, If you especially improve the pass rush with your five-star, you know, edge rusher Adepoja Adepoare, then it should help take that thing to the next level. It's a pretty healthy little
1: jump for Oklahoma's defense relative to where they ended last season in the SP plus rankings, they were 38th uh, defensively to end last season. They were eighth offensively. So a little bit of a dip backwards, but not super pronounced offensively. uh, You know, given some of the pieces that you lost uh, pieces, you're returning, you know, to be 14th drop six spots, not all bad, but to jump from 38th to 19th is a healthy jump for Oklahoma defensively. So uh, Bill Connolly, at least the statistical analytical side, is saying that year three for Brent Venables, there will be a legitimate, legitimate jump. And let's hope that's the case defensively for Oklahoma. If it is, then uh, who knows? Uh, If if the special teams prediction here is wrong and all of those other parts are right, it could be a year one in the SEC, I think, John, that we could feel good about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think everybody's expecting that defense to take another step this year. It should. We've seen the trajectory of Brent Venable's defenses over time. And year three is kind of that point where they start really flirting with that top 15, top 10 in the nation in efficiency or points per game allowed or yards per game allowed. So this is kind of that next step. And it might not even be where it's going to be because they added a great defensive line class in the 2024 cycle. But those guys may not be big-time impact players in year one, but even down the road, that's when we start to see this defense really take hold and become kind of the identity of this team. But, I mean, listen, it, it's easy to sit and nitpick all the question marks. It's easy to look at all the issues that that Oklahoma is facing this offseason as they get ready for the SEC. But the reality is they've got a defense that's returning a lot of experience that's developing a lot of young players that were kind of stepping into roles for the first time that were starting for the first time in 2023. And they're adding more and more defensive talent to that every single year through the recruiting ranks, through the transfer portal. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, who are we to doubt what they're doing along the offensive line? They've done it year after year. They've put it together. Hopefully though, we have that set in stone week one and we're not kind of shuffling things around to figure it out by the time we get to OU Texas. You know, and you don't have to have a true freshman coming in and starting in that game or at least playing a significant role in that game. You've already got your offensive line figured out and you guys are humming by the time you get to OU Texas in the first weekend of October or second weekend of October. So yeah, there there are definitely areas we can nitpick, but ultimately I think and I think Josh believes maybe that it's all going to come together and we're going to see an Oklahoma team that is going to be very, very competitive. Now does that result in wins and losses? We'll see. Or how it results in wins and losses is what we're going to see. How many wins we'll see. But I think ultimately they're going to be a very, very good football team coming up in 2024.
1: You certainly hope so. And I think that there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic and believe that Oklahoma can handle this uh, schedule that they've been handed and handle it in a way that, uh, can inspire if not, if not deliver immediate championship results can inspire hope that maybe that's around the the corner pretty quickly for Oklahoma in uh, 2025 and beyond. But as I've said many times, why wait? Why, Why wait?
0: Let's just go win the whole effing thing to quote major league and that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning into the show, being a part of it, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms and on YouTube. So go hit that notification, bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on the KRF Sports app. Follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at SoonersWire.com. But until next time, he's Josh. I'm John Boomer Sooner.